This week on Art in the Air, we feature glass sculpture artist Mark Laputa, along with Melanie T. Long, who works on a variety of media. Next, we have longtime Michigan City photographer Richard Warner. Our spotlight is on Lebesnik Center for the Arts 40th Art Festival, returning live on August 21st and 22nd with Executive Director Janet Block. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry Art on the air today Stay in the know with Larry and Esther Art on the air our way Express yourself to art And show the world your heart Express yourself to art And show the world your heart Welcome. You're listening to Art on the Air on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art on the Air streams live at WVLP.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, every Sunday at 7 p.m., also streaming live at lakeshorepublicradio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Information about Art on the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. And we'd like to welcome back to Art in the Air Spotlight, the Executive Director for Lebesnik Arts, and especially for the Lebesnik Arts Festival coming up, Janet Plock. Welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight. Hi, Larry. Hi, Esther. Thank you. Hi, Janet. Well, you know, this is the festival season, you know, and all the way around, we're a different uh, arts organization having it, and this is your turn, and this is coming up on uh, August 21st and 22nd. So tell us about that coming back. Uh, last year, I guess you were virtual. Wasn't that the case? No, last year we actually canceled. Um, we didn't have a virtual event. And um, I know that a lot of the artists and patrons were disappointed, but we just felt it was the best decision to make. We, I didn't want to be responsible in any shape or form to getting people out and possibly exposed. So um, we're real, I think we're doubly excited this year to get yeah. back to the swing of things. Isn't it like the 40th year as well? It's actually the 39th year. 39th? <laughs> Because we missed last year. Uh-huh. So we're going to have to do something very special next year for the 40th. It would have been. Yes. So, uh, yeah. And, and you know, it's a little different each year. I think we're, we're trying to get a format that we feel is successful. But, um, you know, we, we like to add things or as we go on. And, and also just the culture changes. You know, what people want to do and what they want to see. So, we try to be responsive. Is the format, Do you are you still going to have galleries on the inside? And which galleries would those be? So inside, we are actually going to have artists. And um, one of them is an uh, art center from, will be represented in one of the spaces 
is called uh, Harrison Center for the Arts, and it's in Indianapolis. And it's actually a much larger and older organization than Lubesnik Center um, with a slightly different mission. But um, we connected and we thought it would be a great, uh, a great exposure for them in our area and just something new and different, you know, for here. And then we have um, an artist from Indy who just won um, the, I think, the airport um, commission for some public art in Indy. And then we have uh, in East Chicago, Ish Mohammed Nieves. And um, he took the same space two years ago. And he's just such a great guy, wonderful artist. Um, we sort of we try to get the festival a balance of more traditional artwork with contemporary art. And so indoors, we're trying to really feature more contemporary, uh, fe a feeling like to a gallery artist who wouldn't necessarily show it in art festival. Right. They just don't know that they don't know that whole um, model. <laughs> Janet, I think I read that August 22nd will be a free family day, courtesy of McDonald's Laporte. Yeah. Thank you, Yay. Esther. Oh, um, one of my goals is to um, make the make everything we do free. It's one of my um, dearest initiatives is that, you know, if we're really an art center for the people, how do you make it more accessible to as many people as you can? And even though the fee has never been or the admission fee is only five dollars, um, and children are always free and members are always free and military personnel. But there's a whole range of people that that benefit doesn't go, you know, doesn't extend to. And I really don't want there to be a financial barrier. So um, we had to figure out a way to do it, but still bring in what the admission gate would have brought. So very kindly, um, McDonald's of LaCour County has stepped in to sponsor free family day on Sunday. So um, everyone's welcome every day. And if you can't afford it, we would still let you in on Saturday. <laughs> we, won't turn any, we don't turn anyone away. It's just, uh, it's just a nice way for a sponsor to support the community and for us to be supportive. Uh, how so, many booths do you have and what kind of food do you have there and, and everything? And what are activities? So some of the, okay, we have, uh, we're probably only going to be at about 50 booths this year. I think we had 47 outdoors and three indoors. And then, of course, you can see what's on display, which I'll go into in a little bit. We have all our exhibits up. Um, we have uh, we have had trouble getting food trucks, actually. But right now we have Social Cue Barbecue committed and we're working on a dessert truck. Um, you know, we try to make the um, make it a win-win situation for all of the vendors for the food. So we don't want to put four food trucks there because we want people to want to come back and, you know, make some money. <laughs> so um, that is a decision we go to, even though we pull the electricity, we, we kind of keep it limited, but we always have like the social cube barbecue always has, he'll have vegetarian. They're so food. nice. They're too. so nice. And they're local. Um, and then you asked me something else. Well, we have uh, to wrap it there, actually, Janet. We're out of time. That, that's Janet Blocks about the Lubezki Art Festival, August 21st and 22nd. Don't miss it. Thank you so much for being on Art of the Year Spotlight. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Esther. Take Thank care. Thank you. 
You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. And we'd like to welcome to Art on the Air, it's, uh, I guess you might say, a power couple in the arts. Uh, we had the privilege of interviewing one of them uh, during our COVID special, how it's affected them. Uh, but anyway, they're both uh, bringing artistic things to us. Uh, he grew up in Pennsylvania and found great pride and satisfaction in creating things with his hand. And I like the unique story that uh, he, you know, tell us a little bit about it, but in holiday in New Zealand, uh, he decided he liked the kind of art that inspired him. So that was great. And then we have the, our other artist who uh, has a background that's immeasurable and a whole wide range of mediums and uh, everything, and she's developed that. And so now we'll let them talk. And first of it's Mark Laputa and uh, Melanie T. Long. Welcome to Art on the Air. Thanks for having us. Yay. Aloha. Well, Mark, we'll start with you. And uh, you have a very unique story about uh, while hiking, how that actually influenced your art practice or got you in it. So tell us again a little bit about your background, about, first of all, growing up, where you grew up, what you did, what studied anything like that and then we'll move into your art sure born in pennsylvania and i went to the university of pittsburgh and upon graduation i just didn't know what i wanted to do there wasn't a lot of jobs i worked pretty much the worst job i've ever had and decided to travel um, i had a little bit of money saved up from working like three jobs at a time and just traveled to new zealand and backpacked around the country and worked little odd jobs and in between uh having money and being broke found a job at a a glass studio in Taupo, New Zealand called Lava Glass. They hired me and I began um, what's called cold working, which is, I guess, what I'm mostly known for. But it's basically the process where after you blow glass, there's always pieces to cut and grind off, like maybe the flat base of a vase or something like that. So I began doing that and it kind of fed into the artwork that I started to make there where I just basically blow thick glass bubbles and then cut them into odd forms using different grinding wheels. And yeah, the that trip turned into, well, started out, it was supposed to be about six months and I ended up staying for the rest of the remainder of my visa, which was a year and just, you know, worked as much as I could at the glass studio and had to, had to leave the country after the visa was up. And in between coming back to the States and going back, we were just um, with the, the guys from Lava Glass sorting out another work visa. So I was home for about two months before going back for another two years to do a, basically an apprenticeship. So what about what about elementary school? What was your art? I mean, was did that spark um, like sort of thinking about art at all? Or do you I have an artistic family? And coloring and no, not really. Um, dad, dad was an okay drawer, but he probably won't admit to it. Um, I don't know. I grew up like drawing dinosaurs and things just like any other <laughs> kid. An interesting route to wear because didn't you? It was like engineering and then graphic, and and then you wind up in New Zealand and you found your passion. Yeah, I think they still play together. I, I was even talking to my mom about this yesterday because she ran into my drafting teacher in high school and he had just retired. And I, I think that I wanted to design bicycles. I wanted to design objects that I liked, particularly bicycles, and uh, that's why I went into engineering. But that type of thinking just didn't work for me. It wasn't but, a hands But it's in your work now. Work. I mean, look how precise your work is yeah, with those cuts I mean. and, yeah, the symmetry. and. Yeah. I think, um, you know, all, all the things that even through engineering and drafting and engineering, that mechanical side of thinking definitely uh, still has a huge role in my work. So you came back stateside and then you went back uh, to apprentice. How long did you do that apprenticeship? Um, overall, I was in New Zealand for about three years total. So um, I think I went June of 2004 and I left in April of 07. Okay. 
Excellent. Well, for the time being, we'll move on to our other guest here. Melanie, tell us a little about your journey and everything, uh, uh, where you grew up, studied, school, and some of the your background here. Um, I'm from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Grew up there, and uh, then I attended Alberta College of Art and Design, but now it's called the Alberta University of the Arts. And I uh, kind of went in for printmaking and painting and with uh, an interest in glass because I had taken a course when I was 15 and I absolutely loved playing with fire. Like it was kind of dangerous and kinetic and <laughs> I like to move around a lot. So it just seemed like such a cool mix of both. So tell us, Melanie, what did you do after you graduated? You know, how did you go through college and you kind of experimented with fire and things like that? What did you do after that? All right. So uh, when I was in college, I also went on uh, exchange. And so I ended up in Canberra, Australia. And then after I did that, I kind of had a bit more direction when I graduated from ACAD. And I went to Canberra where I worked at the Glassworks, which was pretty cool. And then I also worked for some other artists as a artist assistant and stared at the birds and the kangaroos a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Made a little bit of my own work too. So how long were you there? Uh, I was in, I was there for about two years. And then wow. after that, I just thought I wanted to do some more exploring. And then I lived in Vancouver for about six months and blue glass there as well. The gallery assistant and then also a production glass floor. So that was really fun. And I was painting a lot. And then I decided that Vancouver was uh, way too rainy in the <laughs> fall and the winter. And I was having none of that. So mm-hmm. I went back to Calgary and started to pursue a career in education because I really, really, really love of educating. And uh, so then I went to University of Calgary, got my education degree, and then I started teaching. And in between there, we met. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I was just going to say. I, I was, <laughs> well, let's hit that story. What, what grade did you teach, uh, Melanie? So I started by teaching uh, high school, and that's, I really, really love teaching that. But the, the school system in Calgary is a bit different in the fact that it was really hard for me to secure a high school art position. So I started subbing for elementary and junior high. Then I was teaching junior high for a little bit. And then somehow I ended up as an elementary uh, generalist. So I was mainly teaching grade five and grade six. I found it really difficult because they have a box for you to fit into. And if you don't really fit in that box, it's pretty difficult, especially when they're like, oh, hey, uh, you can do anything you want. You can teach any way you want, but you have to do it within this box. And so I just found that really hard to deal with, especially being like a bit of a free spirit art artist. So when I started teaching elementary, I think I just started counting down the days until I didn't have to do it anymore. And then what did you do? Yeah, I also taught at um, so Alberta University of the Arts, uh, first year glass studies. And then I taught continuing ed as well. I did drawing and portraiture and uh, painting and all that fun stuff. So do you add printmaking? I don't printmake at all anymore. I do miss it. Um, but I just find that I don't really have the facilities and, uh, there's not enough hours in the day, especially if you like to sleep in like me. (laughs) (laughs) You like to be up at the crack of noon, right? (laughs) So tell us a little bit how you guys uh, met in this whole process of you both going down under to different places and then how that, uh. How you kind of found each other? We actually met at the Pilchuck Glass School, which is a glass school. It's about an hour north of Seattle, just basically uh, in the woods. You know, you invite 100 glass blowers in the woods, and it's a rowdy, fun time. But uh, it's, like going, it's like going to summer camp. I mean, uh, for an adult, I think that's as close as you get for a summer camp. But we were both up there as uh, teaching assistants. I had actually shown up a day earlier than I was supposed to. And the school was cool enough to just let me stay. And a lot of the staff was getting ready, you know, preparing the whole grounds and the equipment and everything for the next group of students that were going to come through. I was just helping my friends do whatever. I was bored and just helping 
are trying to help people. And I think they just got frustrated trying to delegate jobs to me. When she showed up, my friend Tom was like, hey, there's a cute girl over there. Why don't you just go talk to her and get out of my business? <laughs> Normally, I wouldn't just walk up to a girl and start talking to her because I'm a little shy. But um, I don't know. I just, just The magic of Pilchuck. <laughs> So yeah, we just immediately started talking and then she had never been there and I'd been to the school the year before. So took to being the tour guide and and we hung out all the time, the whole Mm -hmm. time we were there. Really hit it off and then when school's over, everyone goes their separate ways and it was very hard. We always kept in touch over the years, but that's right when she was moving to Vancouver. So she had something new happening and my artwork was finally starting to maybe take off a little bit. So I was very focused on it and we just remained friends. But yeah, through COVID and everything, you kind of, I feel like people, some people were fortunate enough to realize certain things they maybe wanted in life or maybe a little bit more of a direction. And we began talking again and yeah, and then came to America during the pandemic, (laughs) did a road trip across the country and we were together every second of every day and it was just awesome so what did you see on your road trip well last year i thought that i was moving to oregon to open up a studio with my friend steve um steve hagan he's an artist he lives in portland now but he's also from pennsylvania so her and i drove one of my vehicles out there thinking I was leaving it and we were going to look for a studio and then in a month or two move. And long story short, that didn't happen. And we're all moving to Tucson, Arizona, hopefully in the next month or two. We, we fly out there in two weeks to uh, look for a house and a studio. So very different plans. But yeah, that's why but we go, both great glass communities. Yeah, both are great. So so I have a pill check question. <laughs> so yes, you're there as um, assistants, but do the instructors all get together? and learn from each other? I mean, do you, are you able to, because I'm sure there's people that you, you probably, did you pre-know any of the other teachers or instructors? They have time to mess around and... As you go there over the years, community's small, even though it's worldwide. Like everyone knows everyone or knows someone that knows someone. So it, it feels very small. And so getting to go up there, especially if you get to go every year, it's like going back and seeing friends that you haven't seen all year. And everyone learns from each other and the energy and creativity is untouched almost. It's really spectacular how much just idea sharing, learning happen. So I don't know. That's good. What do you think? So I think, Mark, we kind of met before you had your show in the Netherlands. Um, I think you were, I, I remember you talking about this thing that was going to be in the future. So how did that come about and what work? Yeah, I think everybody would be interested to know how that how that comes about. I've had two shows over there. The way I began selling my artwork in Europe, um, and it's very strange and backwards, I suppose, for an American artist to uh, suddenly everything he makes gets sent to Europe. But um, I'll have to go back a little bit. So when I worked in New Zealand, I worked with an English glass blower at Lava Glass named Chris Jones. And I learned a tremendous amount from him. Like basically all of the basics of glass blowing I've learned from Chris and the other artist there, Lyndon. And Chris worked on a team in England that made Dutch artists work named Peter Bremers. And through that team, I got to know Peter as an artist. He showed in a certain gallery in the Netherlands, which was one of the best glass galleries in the world and still is to this day. But anyway, basically through the network of glass artists and galleries and things, I was aware of this Dutch gallery and the owner and the owner's nephew was starting a gallery and saw my work somehow. I think he saw it on MySpace when that existed. We had some contact and he was really interested in me sending artwork, but I was nervous because I had barely established in the States or even 
you know, no one really knew who I was. And it's scary to send artwork across the, the ocean and you don't know when you're going to see it again or who you're sending it to. But because I knew that he was legitimate, eventually I had work to send and, and almost immediately started selling. And then it just kept going for a couple of years. Just everything I made sent to the Netherlands and sold. And it was just really successful and exciting. And uh, yeah, I had two solo exhibitions there before I even had, well, I had one solo exhibition in the States before then, but yeah, it was just really strange and wild, but exciting. So I remember um, in those first conversations we had, I think like back 2009 or 10, you were talking about this Swedish technique that you mm -hmm. use for like the sneech faces that we, that we had. Um, How did you the, learn that? When I was in New Zealand, Chris would use um, a little bit of Swedish overlay technique. So I first saw it through him. They did it often on that team in England that I mentioned for Peter's work. When he used to make blown work, he mostly makes cast cast glass now, which is also incredible. Um, but then I tried it a little bit on my own and had a series called the Oculus series, which I was kind of messing with. And then that second year, the, the year at Pilchuck where I met Melanie, the whole class was kind of based on um, Swedish overlays and, and color overlays and different techniques to bring the the color to the surface of the glass so you can later carve through it and create images using different diamond and engraving techniques. So I guess it stemmed, yeah, from, from Chris and from that time at Pilchuck, I got very good at it. And I still use it on all my work that I'm currently working on right now. So pretty vital. It's, you know, your, your geothermal landscape um, series reminds me when I look at Melanie's paintings, they're like, they were like, they, they're almost married as well. You know, it's just very reminiscent. And as I was scrolling through the geothermal, all those shapes, um, especially, I think, what do you, in, in your, on your website, Melanie, it's like any trace of earth where you have this beautiful sort of abstract colors in the background, but then you come in with these very graphic shapes and that's what the geothermal series looked like and it was like i don't know if you inspired each other or if that was happenstance but that was pretty cool they're a few years apart really but i, I could see i definitely see what you're talking about because just the i guess i carve away the shapes that she's painting almost in a way abstract right they're right all taken it, from images of yeah the earth i mean hers are landscape paintings Often, I use a lot of reference photos from different trips or friends' trips. And, and you're an avid rock climber, so you're you're right up there. <laughs> yeah. And actually, that's actually I I want to know about you know glass blowing is a very very physical discipline, and so, uh, so how do you prepare for that? Or in the doing, do you build up the strength because that's glass is heavy. I definitely think. And I, is that I, where the rock climb? I guess what I'm going is that where like the rock climbing comes in. And, <laughs> no, the rock you know? climbing like I guess that settles my mind because it's constantly going a thousand miles an hour. And when you're rock climbing, you can't be thinking about a thousand different things because you have to focus on what's immediately in front of you. Because I, I suppose rock climbing for me is is meditative when you're up there because you're just focused on the task at hand and what you're going to grab and where you're going to move and how to move and how you're going to grip certain holds. But I definitely think um, glass blowing in relation to rock climbing, just both are so physically demanding that I think for me and the way I work, I have to be in some sort of physical shape. And that's why I do, well, rock climbing just brings joy too. Like I, mostly everything I do has to be fun. I don't want to do it. And I think that's the same for like work because I do what I absolutely love. If I had to give up rock climbing, 
mean, for last blowing, I would do it in a heartbeat. It's absolutely my favorite thing. But yeah, I think you just have to be in shape for it. The glass is heavy. When I'm cold working the glass, it's heavy and I'm holding really awkward positions sometimes. So you're a little bit off balance and it's just all exhausting. So to not be in shape, you definitely feel it. If I take time off of either the sport or the, you know, the glass and then you come back to it, you're like, oh yeah, I got to knock the rust off again. (laughs) So where, you know, your series, um, they all, I mean, you can see the progression and a lot of it's based on, I can also tell by when you do your travels, you know, it really informs a lot of your work. So where are you now with your work? I know you're in the process of moving, so that's probably, you know, you have a lot on your mind. Yeah. Uh, I've just been focused on this one series that I've been working on for about the last four, four or five years. And it's still, I get bored sometimes, but this series is still evolving, I think. And like I finished a piece yesterday and Not often is it my favorite one, but this one I'm really, really happy with and excited by. And, you know, that's what it's all about when you're creating. I don't really think about, I mean, you have to to an extent, but I don't really think about how I'm going to sell something. I just try and make the things that I like and enjoy and something that I'm proud of in the end and and hope that someone else appreciates it as well, appreciates it enough to uh, spend money on it. still love what I'm making, so it's still evolving. The work is, um, your work is... I mean, it touches on everything. The shapes are so intriguing and your color choices and you're playing with color. And and I, I, of course, like the natural world is just so exquisite. And to see it interpreted in glass is um, really beautiful. Melanie, tell us a little bit about your work and uh, the different mediums you work in. Um, So I am a glassblower as well, but uh, just because I was really focused on teaching and teaching is also like a marathon you know, you go to school all day, but then after school, it's like report cards and this, that, and this, that, and this, and it weighs on your, your heart a lot too. So I just didn't have any time to blow glass, even though I love it. Um, so painting was a lot easier because that's more stop and start. Right. Um, so I was really working in acrylics and, uh, watercolor and oil. Okay. And, uh, my question is how did you end up in Alabama? It doesn't seem like that's the big artistic uh, center of the world. So, I mean, I'm just curious. How's Alabama you know, got you there? <laughs> how'd you get here? How'd yeah. get, how'd you, how'd you get how here? How you got from no. where you were to where you are now? Mark uh, kidnapped me. Basically. Wife kidnapped me. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I said, I was kind of always counting, counting down the days until I could leave my job Um, because it didn't really bring me joy anymore. Mark brought me, still brings me a lot of joy. <laughs> just this, um, this life of creating art and making it work as an artist and uh, when we thought about where we wanted to live it didn't necessarily make sense for us to go up to Canada when he had things down here and a following down here so that's kind of what brought me down to Alabama. (laughs) Yeah we ended up in November so to backtrack we we had our time together last summer um, traveling and taking the vehicle across the country um, it's a conversion van too, so we were camping and kind of living in it, which we do kind of part time when we do our trips. Just every day, constantly talking to each other. We knew that we wanted to be together through the pandemic. The only way to um, see each other or for me to visit Canada was to get married, and we were, were already just felt like it was so right from the trip that we were even talking towards the end of that summer trip. Let's just get married, and then somehow we were able to pull it off. Yeah, let's talk about uh, how you finally decided to get married. Well, we were able to um, 
she was able to come visit and we met. I was back up in Oregon, still looking for a studio with Steve uh, months after thinking that I'd already been there. It just happened that uh, it coincided with a, a break that Melanie had, teacher break, right? No, you came just over a weekend. You were there for like three days. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she popped down to Washington and we ended up going up to the Pilchuck Glass School. We got permission from the school board to uh, use their grounds. We didn't go into any buildings. But um, yeah, we pretty much planned a wedding within the span of like two weeks. And Steve happens to be ordained in Washington. So he married us and only two other friends came. But we got to go to the spot where we first spent time together and we got married the view's spectacular right over the Puget Sound and Washington, the giant pine trees, and it's just a gorgeous setting. So it was really perfect. And then, The images were gorgeous. And then she was <laughs> back in Canada. <laughs> yep. Had to go back. Yep. So is Steve so, going with you to Tucson? Yes. Yeah, wow. we're still opening a studio together. What do you have coming up in the future here? Uh, any plans for expansion, moving, whatever? Just trying to actually get a studio going. Yeah, anything is expansion out of the garage. (laughs) Basically, to work out of the garage at home, I have just a few um, machines to do all the cutting and grinding. Lately, I've been blowing glass at a friend's studio in North Carolina. I'll just rent for about a week and make as much as I can. And then I bring it home and I do all the cutting and polishing, which that takes a long time. So I'm able to rent the studio for these short periods, but amass enough work. I'm working on each piece for a couple of weeks at a time at home. You know, Mark, some of your work reminds me because I know Carrie Gustafson and some of those cuts remind me so much of Carrie's etching. We're actually about to collaborate. Oh, wow. That'll be excellent. In fact, I just boxed up our first collaborative piece. I, I blew it at my friend Jake's studio and then I've carved it just before, um, We took July off, and yesterday I packed it in a box, and I'm waiting for Carrie to get off on vacation so I could send it to her. Carrie is just, her work is exquisite. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah, I'm a huge fan as well. So what other collaborations are in the work? So so wait, let me get back to the Carrie and, and you combination of a collaboration. So you're sending her like kind of like almost a blank or have you already done some work on it? I've, I've blown the blank and then carved it into a form ah. and then left as much blank canvas for her to like cut through different colors. And she's going to add, I don't know what she's going to do. I yeah, told her that's to so exciting. creative with it. And so we'll just see, but I'm sure it's going to have some amazing pattern you know, carved into it and died because I've been a fan of her work for so long. And I've always in the back of my mind, like I'd like to collaborate with her and she doesn't really blow glass too, too much. Um, She has other people make her blanks for her. So it just seemed to make sense that I can make a blank for her and carve it into some crazy shape and then let her do her thing. And yeah, we don't know what one's going to even look like so, yet. It's so interesting because the show that um, I brought your work in for, I also brought Carrie's work in for. So you were in the same show together. Oh, I didn't um, even And you didn't even know, that. didn't even know awesome. it. <laughs> <laughs> we actually got to meet in person uh, when Melanie and I were, we just did a, a trip in this July. Um, she got to meet my parents in Pennsylvania. And then we um, did like a New England trip and we went and visited Carrie and got to meet her in person finally. And yeah, I think it's going to be a really cool collaboration. And uh, well, I mean, we're still talking about what we want to achieve with it and everything, but there's no there's no rush to uh, complete a certain amount of pieces. There's no expectations. There's no exhibition. So I think we're just going to really take our time. And what I would like to see happen 
is um, amass like a dozen pieces or so and eventually have an exhibition, but with no no deadline yet so that right. we can really um, just see where they go before we're forced into having to have a certain amount of work for some kind of event. So it might be a couple of years down the road. Um, we're that gonna, sounds beautiful. Just, a yeah, pure it's, pleasure. It's really like pleasure. <laughs> it's really casual, but both of us are really excited about it. So it will probably happen fast, especially after one piece is done. We'll probably be excited and just I'll focus on that. But um, with it. on your end, what kind of colors are you focusing on? Bright, <laughs> we bright, both love bright colors. So, um, she definitely has combinations that she's used in the past that she's suggested. So far, there's only been I've blown three blanks, and two of them are carved and in various stages. Um, so we haven't gotten too experimental. I've basically just taken it upon myself to. Uh, I'll know that I have some time in a studio coming up, so I'll just make one or two. So I'm just kind of choosing on the fly, but it's. We both love super bright colors. So, yeah, I know she's happy with the choices as well. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. Real quick, do you guys ever uh, work together on any projects? No, we've never worked together on anything. No, we made some goblets and stuff in a friend's studio, but other than that, actually next week we're we're going back up to North Carolina to blow glass. So I don't know if we're necessarily collaborating on things, but we're definitely going to make some of my work and some of her work. And I mean, we'll both be working on as a team. And uh, like over the last few nights, we're brainstorming different, uh, basically different business plans for projects together so it's it's very very fresh and in the early stages so we don't even know what it's going to look like but it is the plan to uh right well tucson gives you tucson opens up so many opportunities for all of you so melanie a lot of um your images are you painting outside do you prefer to just do to to work outside i do um i try to be a side as much as possible. Uh, I would say as soon as I got here in Alabama, I just kind of made my studio the front porch of uh, the house. It was really dusty and dirty and full of cobwebs and old bugs. So I cleaned it off yesterday. Boys live there. Boys do live there. Yeah. (laughs) Women are messy too. Yeah. People are messy. Humans are messy. Anyway. um, (laughs) Yeah. So I do prefer to be outside. Um, If I could be outside 24 seven, I probably would. I think it's so nice just taking your easel somewhere or taking your sketchbook somewhere and just like letting the land kind of inform what you do. Um, And also like giving props to the land in a way. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's always evocative. We're gonna get about ready to wrap up here. We want you to have a chance to tell us your website. So, Melanie, you go first, and how people can find you on social media and or the web. Okay, so you can find me on Instagram at melanie.t.long.art, and then my website is melanietlong.com. <laughs> okay, and Mark, how can we find you um, on the internet? Marklaputa.com. Um, and the website's pretty brand new because I focused one of my Canadian quarantine times to uh, building a brand new website. So go check <laughs> that out. And on Instagram, at Mark Laputa Glass. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on Art in the Air. Uh, that was Mark Laputa, who's a glass sculpture artist. Uh, and like I said, his story comes from backpacking through New Zealand. And Melanie T. Long, who works in a variety of things, painting, drawing, sculpture, glass. And uh, I guess her styles re- evolve from realism to neo-futurism and abstract expressionism. Anyway, thank you so much for being on Art on the Air. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank for you. Us. 
and I'd like to welcome to Art in the Air. He's a photographer that's based out of Michigan City. Uh, find him on Facebook at Visual Impressions. You can have everything from a concept to completion, uh, however you want to do it. Uh, you can tell him about business and he'll make it happen. Likes to shoot like uh, power boats, speed boats, a whole wide range of things. Uh, we'd like to welcome to Art on the Air this wonderful photographer that's going to talk to us, Richard Warner. So welcome to Art on the Air, Richard. Well, thanks for the invitation. I'm glad to be uh, be on air talking to you. Well, Aloha, Richard. We should also say that he's been in business for 27 years with a Well, actually, yeah, if I if you don't mind my interruption, actually, I've been in business for probably close to 40 years. With photography? With photography, yes. Oh, wow. So, um I haven't really updated my visual impressions uh, page because I've kind of stepped back away from photography, but I'm still in it. So, I mean, it's kind of a, a passion of mine. So, um, yeah, I, I haven't really updated my Facebook page, but uh, I since I got out of the uh, out of the business, which was in 2008, I just kind of um, kind of cherry pick anything that comes my way well richard we'd like to hear about your entire uh, background and i usually like to say like how you got from where you were to where you are now so you know where you grew up where you went to school and how you ended up in michigan city and what your journey was to there so tell us a little bit about that okay well i guess my story really started when i was a little kid uh, um, i grew up in south bend i uh, went to a catholic grade school in south bend and right next door to where my parents lived was a gentleman by the name of Ernie Bohr, and he was a professional photographer. And I always remember as a little kid growing up in the backyard, playing trucks and everything else, Ernie would come barreling out of the, his back door, heading for his car with two cases full of equipment, jump in his car, and you zoom off. Well, it always fascinated me. I always wondered what he did, you know, where he was going. Well, then he started to introduce me to photography, what he did, how he did, what he was doing, and all this other stuff. And then he slowly introduced me to his darkroom work and cameras, and he started to advise me uh, you know, on the best way to take pictures. And I think that's where my passion for it really, really started when I was really young. You know, I mean, I couldn't have been more than six, seven years old, eight years old, and, and uh, that's kind of how that whole thing started. That's so beautiful. So then, I'm sorry, go ahead. I said, that's so amazing and wonderful. Well, you know, remember, there's, there's one piece of advice that, that Ernie gave me uh, that to this day, I always try to influence, you know, up and coming photographers is he always told me, he says, always go out, take pictures, just take a lot of pictures and remember what you did, come back, process them. Look at them, be very critical of your work, go back out and do it again. And any mistakes you feel you made, he said, try not to do it again. And he says, just keep repeating the process until you finally, in your mind, perfect your art. To this day, several years later, several decades later, I should say, he <clears throat> still echoes my head. Very important mentor there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> then anyway... um, I went through all the normal stuff as a child. I, you know, grade school, high school, and uh, I decided that um, 
at that time, class family didn't have money for college, so I just thought I was going to join the military, and I did just that back in the early 70s, and uh, I ended up doing a couple of stints over in Vietnam while I was in the Navy, and uh, I survived that, and uh, when I got back into, uh, back into South Bend, I decided that I'm going to pursue my dream, if you will, in photography, and so I... Oh, I, I went on to uh, um, uh, Indiana University at South Bend, pursued a degree in, uh, in um, art history, and I uh, completed that. I've got, I've got a bachelor's degree in art history, and then that wasn't enough. And then I decided to go on to Ivy Tech, and I got an associate's degree in science. I believe that's what it's called in uh, photography. So I did two years there, and then... I went on to the field, and the rest is history. So what type so, of uh, subjects do you shoot uh, over the years? I mean, you had a, obviously a photography business, so what were what were some of the things that brought you to Michigan City? Well, um, actually, I, I hear a lot of people saying nowadays that I'm a photographer, and I ask them, okay, well, what do you shoot? Oh, I like shooting portraits. I like shooting weddings. Then as I begin to ask them, you know, very specific, very specific technical questions, they can't answer me. My product shots, which are well, when I had my studio, I used to photograph uh, over an L cart. I used to photograph uh, motorhomes, automobiles, motorcycles, large product cars, and uh, that was my background. And um, then it kind of kind of morphed into uh, into um, Oh, shooting weddings, which uh, eventually I gave up because <laughs> working six days a week in commercial photography and then working weekends photographing weddings was a little rough on, on your body. I was a little tired. Uh, <laughs> so I kind of gave that up after about 20 years. Uh, I was making good money doing that, but I decided that... Uh, I need to, I need a life here instead of just working all the time. Uh, so anyway, in 2008, fast forward to uh, 2008, I, 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 the, the economy collapsed. When the economy collapsed, uh, Elkhart, uh, all the disposable income that people were buying motorhomes with, it all went away. So consequently, uh, the city and the county of Elkhart just basically folded and i decided after nearly 40 years at that time of doing this stuff it's time for me to find something else to do and uh a lot of opportunities presented themselves and i won't go into detail on that but um i ended up here in michigan city because having lived in san diego for four years close to the ocean. I wanted to be close to water. So that's basically how I ended up here in Michigan City. I'm close to the lake. And I absolutely love, love this environment. So when did you, so we met because you, you photographed just about every single event that was going on in town. So where did that fit into um, your arrival in Michigan City, I guess? Well, actually, I didn't really want to, at that time, I didn't really want to step out of photography altogether. I wanted to stay in it, but I wanted to kind of change it up for myself. 
So I, uh, I uh, reached out to a few businesses and they made a few suggestions here and there. And I started networking with various businesses, various art uh, entities. And um, so I went out and I started photographing events. I started photographing, you know, um, uh, well-placed people in LaPorte County. And uh, now I guess uh, I actually proved to myself that I really did do a good job at networking because I've managed to build a little bit of a client base uh, here in, well, actually here in LaPorte County. And um, uh, one of the things that I'm actually able, I was actually able to do until, uh, until 2020 is uh, the LaPorte Superior Court has this thing they call drug court. And my understanding is it's a very, very difficult course to get through uh, for people, you know, people with addictions. And I was asked to come in and photograph their graduations, and I did. And I was, I was amazed at how difficult the course was, and how committed the people that actually made it through to graduation were. So um, I was actually able to meet a lot of very interesting, very great people and tough people, because uh, the way it was described to me, uh, uh, this course is anything but easy. So uh, that's one of the networking opportunities I was given. Um, another local radio station. I've been out there uh, uh, doing interviews and helping with uh, various shows. Uh, Esther, you probably know some of the shows that I was out there uh, with uh, or doing interviews and stuff like that. So right. it's been an interesting ride here in LaPorte County. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. So I'm going to ask this question as a photographer. What do you shoot with uh, for our photographers that are listening on the radio show? <laughs> oh, here we are. Yep. I shoot Nikon. Very good. And and, um, and you shoot with and you shoot with what? I shoot with Canon. <laughs> I shoot with a Canon. You always say if you're, if you're going to shoot, you shoot with a Canon. But nevertheless, shoot with a Canon. <laughs> do you do a lot of post processing? Uh, age old argument. <laughs> no. Well, do you do a lot of any post processing, and what do you use for that, like software wise? Honestly. I most of my post processing is sent out to uh, to a friend of mine, and she does a good bit of that because um, I view that stuff as in a business sense because you know the old saying "time is money." Well, it takes somebody else that's more knowledgeable a lot less time to do it than it would be for me to do it. So uh, I would rather pay somebody to process the their you know. Um, and my understanding is uh, it's being done on a Lightroom. Uh, uh, any editing is done on a Lightroom uh, platform. So technology-wise, I try to stay away from it because it just clouds clouds my my creative process, if you will. I guess <laughs> I guess that's the, not the only way I can uh, describe it. So I know that you have an association with the zoo. When you were out there, did you take advantage of? Um, those those very photogenic <laughs> um, four-legged and winged uh, creatures out there. Did you do any? Oh, absolutely. Oh, abs- oh, oh, 
Absolutely, I did. Um, you know, having kind of stepped away from photography, it also gave me an opportunity to do some other things that I had always kind of wanted to do. So I was asked to uh, come in and, and uh, you know, uh, do some maintenance work at the zoo. I like working with my hands. So I have, I have access that most people don't get. You know, I'm actually able to get in and photograph some of these uh, animals in a different environment. And uh, they've some of them actually know and trust me. Some of them would like to have me for dinner, but, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I... So who did you notice was happy to see you every time? Like, Well, I'll tell you what, it wasn't so much happy, but it was the male line. Every time I walk in the morning, walk in, in the morning, he'd be at the cage pacing back and forth, looking at me like, uh, hmm breakfast breakfast <laughs> <laughs> no seriously though i think um uh actually the the uh we there's a crow there that he actually was raised by one of the keepers and he will talk and he's got a, a surprisingly i found out that crows are an extremely intelligent animal uh, they adapt to their environment very easily and he will talk to you and it kind of kind of funny because if you stand back and just watch people as they walk by, he'll talk to people, and I think people are a little shocked because <laughs> they didn't expect that. Does he have favorite but, things that he says? Oh, well, for one thing, he's always calling for Aiden. Uh, Aiden is his brother. Uh, um, he he, Aiden was uh, this lady's uh, youngest child, and I guess. He and Aiden were just, they were just brothers, you know, practically. So he's always calling for Aiden and he'll look at you and he'll, he'll, he'll just say, hello. And he'll ask you what your name is. And it's, it's, it's really kind of shocking, you know, and everybody looks around like, who's talking who to that? me? <laughs> <laughs> who, who said that? But, uh, so I'm also a board member on the Zoological Society. So it, uh, <clears throat> gives me an opportunity to uh, go out to speak to, audiences and explain to people why zoos, and I say zoos, plural, many zoos, are important. So I'm trying to dispel the myth that, you know, these animals are, are cooped up and there's no good reason for them to be there. And I try to explain to everybody that, well, the zoos are far more important than you may realize given the state of uh, deforestation and you know the uh, inv their environments being destroyed so once i once i speak to that subject um people are a little bit shocked because when i use examples uh on you know how zoos are being used to kind of repopulate some of the endangered species <clears throat> i think i'm able to reach people and kind of change their minds yeah. but uh I really kind of enjoy that because if you can change one mind while you're speaking to an audience, then I've done my job. Right. Give you, somebody a different perspective. I know. I'll, yes. You know, you're talking about the, some of the animals there. Uh, I don't, do you remember Maggie the lioness? Uh, here in Michigan City? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have a great point. No, actually, that must have been before my time because yeah. I've only been here since 2008. Okay. Well, I have a great uh, portrait of her and then also of the cougar, or uh, some things. like I've gone there and, and done that. So what do you like to shoot? Uh, you know, like for like if you want to go out for, you know, I, I mean, I'm look, look at your uh, uh, visual impressions uh, photography site on Facebook. And, uh, you know, what is something that you love to do? Just I, I see things you've done, but like uh, there's sunsets and different things like that. But what else do you like? 
like to do, like a recreation? Well, I guess I guess my favorite thing to uh, to shoot would be something that's very difficult to light. It's a challenge <laughs> um, for me to go out and photograph bald eagles, which my girlfriend and I we have done that over the past several years. And Esther, you know, you you've seen the the bald eagles that she has shot. Oh yeah, that's fun. It's very, it's fun. It's very interesting. It's very enjoyable to be out. But it takes. Well, your sweetheart is just an incredible photographer as well. I mean, well, you know, in some respects, I'm a little envious because she's got talents. Uh, she's developed certain talents that uh, I never really developed myself. But uh, I personally, I'm more of a. I, I enjoy studio photography um, because it's it's technically very challenging. I guess that would be the good way to put it. Um, I was at uh, the Blue Chip Casino, and they hired me to photograph several different room configurations, and the lighting was was horrendous. So I had to create lighting. I had to figure out on the fly how to photograph these rooms and make them look good, make them, you know, they wanted to see the dimension of it. They wanted to see how the tables were set up. So that's, that's, that was really quite a challenge for me. Um, let's see, Laporte, I photographed a bed and breakfast up there. There are 14 rooms in this bed and breakfast. It took me four weeks to photograph this entire B&B. There were feature shots. There were big, <clears throat> there were big room settings, fireplaces, bathrooms, setting rooms, certain types of tubs that I had to photograph. And each and every one of them were a very technical challenge. One in particular, and it was their premier room, was extremely dark. So I had to photograph this. I had to be able to look out the windows and see the trees outside the windows. I had to match the lighting to the outdoor stuff. So to the out, it, the outdoor lighting to the indoor lighting, which is you loved it, if right? You've never done that. You don't understand <laughs> how difficult that is. But uh, that's my that's my cup of tea right there. Okay. Do you have any, uh, do you do any portrait work yet, or anything like that? If someone comes to you. Oh, I, yeah, I do portrait work, yes. Uh, if it comes my way anymore nowadays, I don't go out and seek it. But, yeah, I do. I do portraits. But uh, um, Well, you certainly, yeah. the RV pictures and the boat pictures are just, I mean, it sounds like... Um, it sounds like it would be easy, but you make your photographs make them look so inviting, and that's well, where the talent is. I mean, to take that <laughs> well, object and you. really make you want to, you know, go Spend take a look. Time there, yeah. Feel like you can be, yes, yeah. yes. That's over the years. I've learned. I've learned that uh, you have to, you know, have to have that little voice in your head. Is how can I make this look inviting to the public? Do I want a kind of a low key look to it, a very you know, a very romantic setting. Do I want a really bright and sunny, real cheery? You know, there's a lot of ways to approach this. I, I suppose that's where the art in commercial photography comes into play because, you know, you've got a wide range of moods that you can, you can develop in, in your lighting. You're Richard, we only have a few seconds left. Can you tell us uh, how people can see your work, your uh, web, or I guess it's a Facebook page, and how to get in touch with you? Sure, sure. You can reach me anytime at uh, area code uh, 574-215-9193, and you can reach me both on my personal Facebook page, which is Richard Warner, or you can reach me uh, at the Visual Impressions uh, Facebook page. 
That's yeah. That's visual visual impressions photography, and uh, you can see that and you can see all of his wonderful work there, and uh, also his contact information, which we'll have on our website. Uh, that's Richard Warner, a photographer in Michigan City from South Bend originally. Thank you so much for being on Art in the Air and sharing your uh, journey in photography. Oh, uh, thank you so much. Well, thank you for the invite. You've been listening to Art in the Air, and we'd like to thank our guests this week on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art in the Air is heard every Friday at 11 a.m. and rebroadcast Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP. Art in the Air streams live at WVLP.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM every Sunday at 7 p.m. Also streaming live at LakeshorePublicRadio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Thanks again to Greg Kovach, WVLP Station Manager, and Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operations for Lakeshore Public Radio. Our theme music is by Billy Foster, with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art in the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant and the National Endowment for the Arts. Underwriters for Art in the Air, Walt Breidinger of Paragon Investments, and Mary LeVan, Arts Patron. Art in the Air is always looking for financial support. We'd like to thank our current supporters. If you're looking to support Art in the Air... Esther and I especially would invite you to become an underwriter of this program in particular. We have information on our website at breck.com AOTA. You can find out support information there. So don't just be an Art on the Air listener. Become a supporter or underwriter in whatever amount you're able to do so so we continue to bring you this great content and this great local programming. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. And you'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. Information about Art in the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. If you're interested in being a guest or send us information about your arts, arts-related event, or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H, dot com, or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart Express yourself through art And show the world your heart You're in the know with Esther and Larry Art on the air today Stay in the know with Larry and Esther Art on the air our way Express yourself through art And show the world your heart Express yourself to art and show the world your heart.